We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rays have won 13 in a row. Jeffrey Springs got hurt today. We'll cover that. We'll do our panic meter on slow starters. And we'll talk about some of the other big news of the day with defending Tout Wars champion and the, the head-to-head points league, CBS's very own Frank Stample, coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Frank Stample from CBS Fantasy Sports. Fantasy Sports Today, which you can catch every night, and I love this. Every night you guys do this, wrapping up the game, the day's action. Um, as a West Coaster, it's perfect. Or when I'm walking my dog in the morning, those rare times that I don't get to uh, listen at night. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jeff. It's an honor to be here with you. Obviously, one of the best there is, the GOATs out there. Uh, yeah, look, it's, it's a kind of a crazy schedule if you live on the East Coast, but I'm more of a night owl myself, so I don't yeah. really mind it very much. I mean, some people will tweet at me and respond like, go get some sleep, man. You guys are crazy. I don't really mind it. I, you know, I'm more productive in the evening time anyway. So, yeah, it's, we're up pretty late. You know, sleep in a little bit, but uh, happy to do it. It's a lot of fun. Well, yeah, then you got the, the turnaround, the East Coast advantage. There's no games in the morning. So as opposed to here where I sometimes get like the 930, nine o'clock game. Uh, so that's just the difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, it's late, but I, I don't mind it. Uh, but hey, give yourself some credit as well. You know, you guys do a fantastic job here that I don't get to listen to as many podcasts as I want to nowadays. But the one that I always listen to is you and Scott Jenstad, the, the Fab Recap, the Weekend Recap. You guys do an awesome job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Um, we I, I, we love doing it, and I think it, I hope it show, hope it kind of carries that way. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're we're having a whole lot of fun here. Um, let's uh let's jump right into the Rays. Uh, Rays are uh, undefeated. They won again today against the Red Sox. But the bad news is Jeffrey Springs left early. Yeah, brutal news too. It's just like between the injuries so far to pitchers and frankly, just a poor performance all around the league. It's like we were excited for one pitcher that got all the hype throughout spring training. He was actually coming through and frankly looks really, really good in the first three innings of this start as well. Uh, and then he leaves with uh, some kind of ulnar neuritis. So we'll have to learn more about that. Apparently he's going to go for tests and we'll learn more on Friday afternoon. So Fingers crossed, you know, maybe this opens up another opportunity for Taj Bradley to jump back into the rotation. But, man, Tampa Bay, amazing start, 13-0. and Some people will point out, oh, well, look at the schedule. They face all these bad teams. They have a plus 71 run differential. I know. 
over 13 games. I saw this tweet from Codify. The last team to have a larger run differential over any span of 13 games of a regular season was the 1998 Yankees. Think about that. That is crazy. That is amazing. It's really amazing. And, you know, hey, I don't really want to throw the Red Sox in, in with those bad teams, but here we are. So uh, maybe maybe they are. Who knows? Hey, uh, wild moments in live podcasting. I locked my daughter out. Uh, she's at the front door. I will be right back. Sorry about that, folks. Hey, no problem. I guess I'll just talk in the meantime while uh, Jeff goes and runs and and uh, lets his daughter into the house. But yes, it is a brutal day of injuries with uh, Jeffrey Springs with the injury there, but we'll talk about uh, a few other things as well. Other pitchers that are off to slow starts. I think we've got Alec Manoa coming up a little bit later on as well. The shortstop position decimated right now. O'Neill Cruz out four months. Corey Seager is going to miss the next month or so. Maybe you picked up Orlando Arcia. That is an injury too. (laughs) I was just filling in. Don't worry, Jeff. You're a pro. So you understand Uh, that that's a new one though. I haven't had that before. Um, my daughter does not have the key to the screen door, which I left open for a little while for the dog. So uh, good times. Uh, I haven't done that one before. But anyways, um, sorry, what did, what did I miss when you were talking about there? Yeah, I was just kind of previewing. Uh, we're going to talk about all these pitchers that are off to slow starts and the shortstop position is absolutely decimated by injury already as well. So it's it's been a crazy start to the season. It has. It has. Um, so ulnar neuritis, not good. Uh, it's you know, almost certainly time on the I.L. Yeah, that's the latest on uh, Jeffrey Springs. And yeah, like I said, I mean, I think this could open up an opportunity for Taj Bradley, who got sent down. So he's going to have to spend whatever the minimum time is in the minors. But maybe he gets an opportunity to rejoin the race rotation and was really impressed by what he did on Wednesday night. He actually threw his curveball more than I was expecting. And that pitch looked really, really good for him. So between the high velocity fastball, really good cutter, and now this curve, uh, you know, Taj Bradley is someone that's probably going to be bit on pretty heavily this weekend yeah uh james anderson and i were hosting the uh serious xm show today uh and he that's the first thing he says hey he has a third pitch now has and you know that's all the difference a huge difference for them um so yeah uh, it, and i think uh there, there's always a joke well the rays are going to find an injury for him to make that uh, next start maybe he didn't have his passport so he couldn't, couldn't go to canada so that's why they sent him down but now they can get a reliever for four days but this is not the way not like this not like this no, no, it's brutal. I look again, like there's so much poor performance and injury at starting pitcher and Jeffrey Springs. Oh. I mean, he just looked amazing. He looked like the breakout pitcher this year. And look, hopefully it's just a, like a forearm strain or something like that. And we can get him back within, you know, a couple of weeks, a month, maybe something like that. But that is really the most optimistic view I think you could have on Springs right now. Yeah, absolutely. They go big, big series this weekend up in Toronto. Uh, I'm looking forward to that just because, hey, they're on the road against a good team finally. And Toronto's really good too. But Toronto is the source of a, a lot of my angst right now on the pitching side of things. I have Alec Manoa in the main event. I have Chris Bassett in a couple teams. Shame on me for the latter. I should have known better about, better about Bassett because the velocity was down in spring training. But I'm going to ask you right now like about the panic meter on uh, Alec Manoa. Um I, velocity was down in his last start. If you look at like, uh, you know, the, the plot points there, I think there was, that was going around Twitter pretty hard. Uh, and just, just the results. He, he, he's not as sharp right now. How worried are you about him? I'm not, I, I'm a tad worried. You know, if I'm ranking it on a, you know, one to 10, it's like a three or a four right now for Alec Manoa. I mean, this is someone mm-hmm. who is quite proven. I mean, the first two years in the majors, he looked fantastic. And clearly there is something wrong with him right now because the walks are through the roof. I mean, 6.7 walks per nine through his first three starts of the season. He was actually a fade for me because I was worried about 
He didn't get as many strikeouts as the other quote unquote aces being drafted in the top four or five rounds. And he's a fly ball pitcher and they were pulling the right field walls in a little bit out there in Rogers center. So I, I just kind of worried about all those things coming together for Alec Manoa. Uh, but the control was not one of them last year. He had really good control. So I would have to bet on that bouncing back. And if you play in a league with trades and look, there's a lot of pitchers that you could talk about buying low on right now. Alec Manoa, I think is pretty proven. Uh, and I think he's probably going to bounce back to be a top 25. You know, maybe we overvalued him a touch and he winds up being mm-hmm. like a top 30 pitcher instead of a top 20 guy. But uh, I, I'm not overly concerned. It's like a three or four for me right now on the, the panic meter. Okay. Uh, you're talking me down off the ledge a little bit there. I appreciate you on that. I think I was more like five and a half, six. So, uh, uh, but that's also because all politics are local, you know, because it was affecting me. I was a little <laughs> bit more concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that. Um, but I, I, I didn't wind up with any Manoa across, across, I don't know, 15 teams. Maybe that I drafted zero. I just did not like the price tag. I, like he was going ahead of guys like uh, Joe Musgrove before the injury, you Darvish. And I don't know. I just kind of thought those guys were better than Manoa. Personally. Sure. Uh, the one place I got him in the main event, I was sitting at 14. They got him at five fourteen, uh, which I thought was a little low compared to where yeah. he was going. Most other drafts. I was like, Oh, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> I actually got priced out on pitching my first three picks in the main. So I started hitter, hitter, hitter. And then Julio Arias went one pick before me. I was at the third pick in the draft. Uh, okay. Fourth pick in the draft. And so Arias went and we took Jordan Romano. He came all the way back to us at the end of the fourth round. We're like, all right, we'll just lock up a closer. And we were getting ready to take Manoa in the early fifth round. Someone took him right before us. So we wound up with Framber Valdez. That's our ace for now. And Luckily, we have Lazardo, who's worked out, and Rasmussen and Kodai Senga, but they've all had really good matchups too. So let's see what happens once they, you know, have some tougher teams to face. Who do you share your main event team with? A buddy of mine, Constantine, that I met a couple of years ago doing uh, work at my previous shop. Okay, very cool. Um, and it's funny because, and I think if you do get locked out of those aces, then you try to make up in volume for those SP twos and threes, uh, and try to catch up. And meanwhile, Romano has what two wins and four saves so far, so. He's, well, last yesterday was a big day. We got the Romano win, AJ Puck two inning win for us. So yeah, it was it's a big day. Oh, AJ Puck. That's that's a draft regret. I missed on him. And every time someone else took him, I'm like, that's the guy I should have taken last round. One time I was a pick away. I, I was like, I was a puck away from a pick. Uh, so uh, you know, it it, it, it was brutal. Oh, um, it's like I know. Okay, that's my late round saved target. Instead, I've got a lot of Scott McGuff, and I picked up Chafin to go with him there. Um, so I'm, I'm not very happy at all as, as good as Arizona, I think is going to be this year and they're going to provide safe chances. It, it's Tori Lovello time. And that, that that's never fun. Yeah. I think it's completely wide open right now in Arizona. Last night, Scott McGuff spent one night on the paternity list, comes back and he actually pitched the ninth inning in a, a, a four run win. So I don't think he's completely out, but you know, right now it seems like Andrew Chafin is the highest leverage reliever. They used him with the bases loaded. I think it was the seventh inning. So biggest spot in the game, they bring in Chafin, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Scott McGuff picks up like five to 10 saves along the way. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Castro jumps in, yep. you know, I thought they were this close to trying Jameson as the, uh, as maybe a fire, a fireman of his own right now. He's back in the rotation. What'd you think of Dre Jameson? I liked what I saw yesterday. He, uh, the, the control, that's the biggest thing. I didn't walk anybody in that start. And, and that's, yeah. that's the key for someone like him or even Edward Cabrera, who looked a little bit better yesterday too. But, you know, four shutout with four strikeouts. You know, some people worried, oh, he only threw 54 pitches. But his previous relief outing, he only threw 26 pitches. So, you know, he doubled that. And I think the next time out, 
he'll probably get up over 70. And as long as he can keep the walks in order, I think Trey Jameson could give you over a strikeout per inning and clearly pitches for a good team now. So I, I really like what I saw. Yeah, I'm very bullish on the Diamondbacks. Uh, yeah. I, I took her over 75 and a half wins before the season. Yeah, if I were in a state that allowed me to do that, I would have. Uh, I, I did tout it actually on VEASAN at one point in time. So, you know, it, I, I always feel a little weird. Like I like going on VEASAN. I like those guys and I like the discussion. However, I don't bet. Uh, I just I don't have that opportunity in the state of California. I, I don't have a guy. I mean, I, I could go that route, but uh, legally I cannot bet. Yeah. Eh, we'll see, man. Uh, hopefully. I don't, I don't know what the latest, you know, updates are out in California, but uh, it feels like it should be coming everywhere soon, right? Eventually. Yeah, we, we lost a, a bit a, in a big way. We lost a referendum out here. Well, there, the problem was there was two um, and they're competing against each other. One sponsored by the Indian casinos, the other sponsored by DraftKings and FanDuel. And they actively campaigned against each other. So it just sunk them both yeah. uh, like landslide loss, like 80, 80, 20. Um, so it's not happening anytime soon out here. Gosh, that stinks. I feel like something similar has happened out in Florida, too, because they had betting for like a three month, three, four month span. And then uh, mm -hmm. I don't know something happened. But yeah, it's a mess. It is. It is. Uh, it's it's always a mess because they're fighting over who gets it and who, who who's going to take her filthy lucre. But uh, so it goes. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about some other uh, big news items. Orioles walk it off today. Adley Rushman, fourth homer of the year. Some of my concern about Rushman and his draft price was, is the power going to be there? Uh, you know, he's a great player. We love him. Love that batting eye. He's going to, you know, uh, you know, the bat plays, but is he going to hit for power? He and Wander Franco so far have answered that question. Yes. And we actually did a, an overreaction podcast. I think it was either right after opening day or opening weekend, whatever it might be. And my takeaway was I might be wrong. <laughs> I might be very wrong about Adley Rutschen because we know, how great of an eye he has, as you pointed out. The bat's yeah. ball skills, fantastic. I mean, he really didn't strike out much last year as a rookie. Uh, the, the last kind of step here was, will he hit for power? And so far, he is answering that. You know, granted, he, he did it against Oakland A's pitching. But again, you can only face who you who's on the schedule. And so far, Adley Rutschman has looked amazing, as has Wander Franco. So a nice shout out there. The power, the speed has been there. And I guess we, I should have brought this up with Tampa Bay. I was looking into it. Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz has four home runs already yes. for Tampa Bay. Yes. And so far, he has a career-high fly ball rate, career-high launch angle. I know we're only two weeks into the season, but this is what we've always said about Yandy Diaz. We know he can hit the ball hard. If he starts to lift now, I mean, we could be talking about a 280-plus you know, hitter, 20-plus home runs, and leading off for a really great lineup. So really encouraged by Yandy Diaz as well. Absolutely, and especially because he got hit yesterday, and we're kind of worried, okay, is he going to be able to come back? Nope, he comes back. Hits one out. I mean, he's always had hard contact. He's always had a great batting eye. Like, oh, the Rays are the perfect team to teach him that, too. Eventually, it took him four years. But, you know, he's been a productive player all along with uh, the Rays. But now, another level with him would be just nuts. Again, we'll see as, as the competition and the pitching level increases. You know, can he maintain that batting average? I'm kind of concerned about that a little bit. Yeah, because as you start to raise the launch angle, you know, the, the fly balls go up, the bat will come down a little bit. But, hey, I think we'll trade off uh, some batting average for for power if we can get that out of Andy Diaz. So. Absolutely, especially in today's era where 250 is just fine. Uh, it doesn't it's, that doesn't even hurt you. That's average. Uh, so you'll take that. Uh, let's go back to the O's real quick because uh, the couple things I have some concerns about. Uh, the rotation, uh, you know, it, it's not good. Uh, and they, we knew it was going to be an issue. We thought maybe Baltimore would kind of cure some of those ales, but 
Dean Kramer gets you know battered around every time. Cole Irvin, another bad start today. Some people thought Irvin would be a good fit in Baltimore, and it hasn't really worked out too well. No, it has not. And uh, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself that before I picked him up in the main event. And I, uh, I streamed him in the start because I was like, oh, at home, you know, they got that cutout piece in left field. He's a, a left-handed pitcher going up against mm-hmm. Oakland. Revenge game. I've got the narrative on my side, everything. And then he goes out there and he gets clobbered by Brent Rooker of all players, gives up two homers to him. Uh, yeah, this is not a great rotation. And, and frankly, I was a little surprised that the Orioles were not more aggressive this past offseason in trying to acquire pitching. Whether it Agreed. was, I saw them, you know, linked to Jamison Tyone. I thought that would have been a good fit. Not that Tyone is amazing, but I, I think he's better than some of these pitchers that we're talking about. And I think it's going to take some time for Grayson Rodriguez. Maybe the team was onto something, right? I mean, we we're all kind of thrown off when Grayson Rodriguez was sent down right before opening day and they kind of publicly ousted him and I don't know, yeah. kind of embarrassed him. Um, and they said he needed to work on some things and maybe they were right. I mean, he, he struggled against the Oakland A's this week as well. So uh, I, I think there's going to be some ups and downs. There will be some upside with, with Grayson Rodriguez this season, more so for the long term. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's going to be some struggles with him too. Yeah, this, this O's team is populated in the front office by a lot of ex-Astros. Uh, and they did the tear down and rebuild thing where they built the roster, built the roster. Then they added the pitching on top at the end. Maybe they're just still in the building, the roster phase also. And that's why they're kind of holding off on any veteran starting pitchers of any sort of ilk. Yeah. I mean, they brought in Kyle Gibson, which again, like he's, yeah. fine. we kind of know who he is. He's probably going to pitch to, you know, four ERA, maybe slightly over that. And he'll, he'll eat innings for you, but you know, outside of Grace Rodriguez, who again has the upside long term, you know, they don't really have a, a standout or, or even someone that gets a bunch of whiffs in that rotation. Right. And we're waiting for DL Hall, too. And that, that might take a little longer even. Uh, but yeah, and I, I'm willing to be a little patient with Rodriguez if if the Orioles are, uh, you know, we'll see if he makes it beyond this next start with the against the White Sox. White Sox without Tim Anderson, without maybe with or without Eloy. We'll see about that. They might get him back this weekend. Uh I that, that I feel like that's kind of like a, all right, you better make good here or you're going to get sent down. Or they may just pull a race and send him down anyhow. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, it's worth mentioning too, you know, Kyle Bradish supposed to be back soon. And just go out and see if he was dropped in your leagues because he was dropped in my main event. Sounds wow. like he could be back last uh, next week. And I know he has some upside, someone that, you know, Eno Saris was talking about before the season. John Means, they'll probably get back halfway through the year. So there are some reinforcements, but again, I, I don't know how great those guys are going to be. Like they have some upside, but you know, not, not great. Yeah. Kind of looking more for 2024 and beyond with this team. They got all those hitting prospects, those infield prospects that are going to be coming up at some point soon. And they are loaded, just loaded. there, just not pitching wise. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, Let's uh, talk about the shortstop apocalypse. But before we do that, a quick note uh, from our first sponsor, Vivid Seats. Baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team, live and in person. Plus, with vivid seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets and simply cash in your credit towards the 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Pro reward tip, buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See VividSeats.com slash rewards 
for terms and conditions. Also, our uh, podcast is always hosted on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for your indulgence with that. We've lost so many shortstops in the last week. It's been brutal. Absolutely brutal. O'Neill Cruz on Sunday was just the, was the worst of them all uh, with that hor- horrific slide at home plate. He's out minimum of four months. We already know that. Corey Seager, minimum of four, uh, four weeks, probably double that with that hamstring injury, grade two hamstring strain. Um, I have both of those shortstops in mixed labor. We drafted in February, lost two, both of them in three days. Good luck trying to replace that on the waiver wire right now. In a league with an unlimited IL, you're like, okay, good, I can stash them. This means there's nothing out there there. There is nothing. I mean, in 12-team leagues, you might be able to get by. You might be able to find someone like a, a Bryson Stott or a Bryce Tarang. But, man, I'm looking at you know 15-teamers right now and Mauricio Dubon and <laughs> Brandon yeah. Crawford, Geraldo Perdomo. Like, these are the names that we're looking at in, in deeper leagues at, at the shortstop position. And yeah, I mean, on top of that, Tim Anderson is out two to four weeks. Danton yeah. Swanson is day-to-day, and Carlos Correa is day-to-day. And it looked like one of those positions that, you know, up top, you knew you had to get one of the top 12 or 15 because after that, it really dries out. Yep. And now it's even worse because we knew, like, that position fell off. It was not a very deep position, and now we've already lost, like, three or four mainstays. So it is it is really rough go right now for, for shortstops. Here's a list of the guys I tentatively slotted in for bids and uh, labor to try to p- replace those guys. J.P. Crawford, Rodolfo Castro, I can just stick at middle infield, Geraldo Perdomo, leading points getter in uh, Raz Slam among available hitters when we were doing the Fab Run earlier this week because he has like a stolen base and was hitting like 400. Edmundo Sosa, Jose Barrero, Dubon, Romy Gonzalez, and Taylor Wells. Or, sorry, t- Taylor Walls, excuse me. It's it's not it's not a happy place. No, no, it certainly is not. And Perdomo's 
kind of interesting because he's got some speed, but look into the minor league numbers and there really isn't much there. He's not playing against left-handed pitching right now too. So mm-hmm. strong side of a platoon. He is part of a, a good, you know, an improving lineup with the Diamondbacks. So perhaps, I mean, JP Crawford, he's that, you know, high floor type of play where you're just trying to get at bats, you know, same thing with someone like Brandon Crawford. If you can get like a Homer uh, every like other week or something out of him, it's something you could look at, but, yeah, I mean, look, there's just really not much advice that we can give uh, when it comes to the shortstop position. It's just, you know, pick up one of these guys and, and hope for it. Rodolfo Castro, I mean, he's someone that maybe has some modest power and speed. He hasn't looked great defensively. I, I've seen a few, like, pretty rough plays from him, you know, playing shortstop now for the Pirates and kind of deflating for them because they were off to a nice start to lose a player of that caliber and that excitement level, right, and with O'Neill Cruz. But uh, I would say of all the names that you mentioned, Rodolfo Castro is probably the one that catches my eye most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I like that one too. Juwan Bay will eventually qualify at shortstop. I'm thinking uh, another guy. Another way to go around about this is. Uh, and last night I was watching Reds Braves. Orlando Arcia gets plunked on the. Uh, I think it was on the wrist. Yeah. And I didn't wait. I I, I jumped in. A, there was one league where I have a first come first serve pickup uh, ability, and I picked up Von Grissom because uh, he doesn't even qualify. It's the Fra- Francisco Alvarez problem that he's, he's going to fit the need for me, but he doesn't even qualify at shortstop yet, but he was available in that league. Yeah, that's sharp. And I think that's a really good call. I mean, especially even in 12 teamers. I mean, I think that's something that you could look into doing. I think I was reading earlier, Orlando Arcia, not expected to have an right. stint, but you know, we'll, we'll see how those things play out. I mean, they'll say one thing one day and then it'll change the next. So uh, I think that's a really sharp call, especially in, in 12 team leagues or shallower. It's just, Stash Vaughn Grissom for now and see what happens. Yeah, and Grissom Grissom is raking in AAA, and Brendan Shoemake is not. So uh, we'll see. If it's really about the defense, then we'll who knows? We'll see which, which way they go. But if it was about something else, they may still may not call him up. Who knows? But uh, Grissom's a guy. Uh, I, I just he could be a difference maker. Uh, the other guy to keep an eye on maybe is if if we if Anthony Volpe still struggles a little bit at the plate, don't give up on Peraza in New York. Yep. Yep. I, I think that's a good call. I know Volpe was leading off yesterday because DJ LeMahieu was dealing with a, yep. a quad contusion. Uh, he had a double in that game, but he has not looked very good. And, you know, I guess something we should have paid attention to more with Volpe. And, and there were people that pointed this out to me before the season. If you look at his minor league profile, lots of fly balls, lots of infield pop-ups. I mean, those yeah. are, those are automatic outs, right? I mean, if they're, if it's not leaving the yard, we're talking about a really low bat, a really low batting average. And he struggled with strikeouts so far on top of it. So I'm not giving up on, on him yet. My co-host Scott White, he said, look, when the Yankees give up on him, that's when I'll give up on him. And I think that's the advice that you should follow. But if they do give up on him, then it's probably Oswald Peraza who's, who's getting called back up. So do you have any Volpe in your life? I took him in uh, in early DC. I got him like post 300 back in, I don't know, December or January or something like that. And then... The final draft that I did, which is a listener league with uh, with the podcast, uh, I think I got him right around pick 100, and that was a, a head-to-head categories league. But in terms of just like the big money stuff, the the, the main events, no, nah, I didn't I didn't wind up with, with Volpe in any of those. How about you? Uh, one share, and it was a total FOMO pick. It was uh, Yahoo Friends and Family. We drafted the Monday after the season started. I'm like, I'm going to get him, and I'm going to get Jordan Walker. Forget it. Nice. Uh, so I, uh, you know, it, it's it, it was totally like, I took him ahead of Tim Anderson, for instance, which is just crazy. It's dumb. But I, I was like, I got to have one share of them there. And it turns out they're both, you know. <laughs> the first the first weekend, that looked pretty good, right? It was like three days, three steals for Volpe. We're like, all yeah. right, look at this guy. He's going to run wild. But 
look, the old adage, you can't steal first base, right? So he's either got to find a way to walk, make better contact, hit line mm -hmm. drives, uh, but he's got to get on base and, and then hopefully we get those steals. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, and I have, a, actually, ironically, I have a lot of Peraza. I have uh, Peraza and AL Tower Wars, and I'm holding on to them. Just, and it's tough because we only have four bench spots, and it's it's really tough to stash in that league. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, although at least we have IL spots. But in an AL-only league, man, every spot is so much value. Yeah, it really is. The one thing with Peraza I'll point out is uh, he's dealing with a hamstring strain in the minors right now. He's been day-to-day, mm -hmm. -day, so I don't think it's That's anything true. major. But uh, if I had to put a timetable on it, I would say if Volpe keeps these struggles up throughout the end of April, I could see them making a move like early May, something like that. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, we're talking about struggling young starters. And uh, one other guy I want to get your uh, finger to the wind on here is Hayden Wesneski. Two pretty bad starts, wind being the operative term for his second start in, in Chicago against the Mariners. But how worried are you about him? His, his control was really off in his last start. Yeah, yeah, he's looked really bad so far. Um, I, and it's crazy coming off spring, like <laughs> how great he looked during that time. But the walks have been an issue. I know that there was some questionable defense behind him the other night that kind of led to some longer innings than he'd like. And obviously, you don't want to see that with a young pitcher. I think in 15-team leagues, I'd like to hold a little bit longer and just see where this goes from here. In 12s, I think you could probably cut him because there are a lot of interesting starting pitchers that are emerging here with the Royals guys and Bubich and what Brad Keller did yesterday. And I don't know why I didn't put more stock into this, but their manager came from Tampa Bay and yep. Kansas city was a team that frankly, like they were not very analytically driven the past couple of years. And now they have a manager who comes from an organization that was the most analytically driven. So I don't know that it's all just because of him solely, but I'm sure he's had some kind of influence in that. So I'm, I'm pretty bullish right now on the Royal starters. And if you want to make that swap in like a 12 team league and drop Wesneski for one of those guys, I have no problem with it. If they're available in a 15, I probably would do that too. But you know, once we get into like just the streamers, Kyle Gibson, Cole Urban, I would rather hold Hayden Wesneski and then just drop him for one of those guys. I'd agree with that. And Bubich, you know, he had the big start on Sunday. So everybody with the Sunday fab leagues, you know, he went and he went pretty high probably too. Yeah. Uh, you know, Casey's got the new GM, new manager and new pitching coach. The whole like pitching side of things had to be totally revamped with all the high pro high, high draft picks, high profile failures among those pitching draft picks, you know, Aza Lacey, uh, Daniel Lynch, you know, all those guys, maybe they'll, they'll save some of those guys too. Who knows? But you know, it, it's been a really rough uh, road for them. Yeah, it really has. I mean, think about all the names that you just mentioned, these, these pitching prospects who, you know, I think we had some concerns at the time that they were drafted, you know, maybe the Royals reached a little bit on these guys. I look, I can't talk about the MLB draft because it's, it seems like a very complicated process with like yeah. under slotting and the over slotting and all that kind of crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, they've definitely missed on pitching the past couple of years. Bubich is someone that I thought was always kind of interesting. I mean, he had that changeup that looked pretty good, but now the velocity is up and he's throwing a new slider um, and he's moved away from the fastball a little bit. So these are all things that you want to see. And Brad Keller is throwing a new curveball, which looks really, really good against a Corey Seagerless Rangers lineup. So I guess you take it with a little bit of a grain, grain of salt there. But uh, yeah, that's a move that I would make. If those guys are available in 15s, I, I would drop uh, Wesneski for one of the Royals guys. Gotcha. All right. Um, you know, generally speaking, there's been a lot more disaster starts this year than there were last year. I, I don't know how well you've been able to avoid them. I, I, I haven't been able to completely avoid them. I'm looking at you, Lance Lynn and Michael Kopech. And it's just... There's like, it's like being the main character on Twitter. There's the main strafing of the day. It feels like. 
It's a disaster. Yeah. I mean, so many and just high profile names too. It's outside of Garrett Cole and look, even DeGrom and his first start, he got blown up there. The last two have mm-hmm. fantastic, but few and far between right now. I mean, guys like Chris Sale come to mind. I mean, he, he's a whole nother conversation, which we could have if you want to do that. That's on and my list. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a multitude of things that are kind of working together right now. I think the weather has been kind of warm just across the country right now to start the mm-hmm. season. So I think the ball is flying a little bit. Speaking of the ball, I mean, we really don't know. I think we need more data, but the early data does suggest that the ball is flying a little bit more than it was last year. So I really hope that we're not going back to a juice ball in conjunction with shift restrictions and a pitch clock because all these things coming together, it's very easy to talk yourself into like explain why pitchers are getting blown up. I mean, three very clear things right there where if it's a juice ball, I mean, we could just be headed for one of the worst pitching seasons to date. We could be back to 2019 and happy fun ball again. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. I mean, if you do like the April versus April comparisons and Jason Collette's doing that, uh, it's he's already done. I've seen enough. He said he says we're going to be uh, like it's like uh, Wasserman, you know, calling the election. Um, It's it's happening pretty quickly and it doesn't look great there. So. Um, or at least for pitchers. I mean, I, I honestly had a lot of fun in 2019. I don't mind the, like the crazy offensive environment. It just, I just want to be prepared for it. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing coming into the year is that, you know, we're trying to prep for the new rules and there were so many new rules with the steals and the shift restrictions and the pitch clock. And we're trying to just factor that into how is that going to affect? And I think it like we had an idea, but it's nearly impossible to project accurately. Like what, what was going to happen. And now if we have this, bouncy ball again it's just like one more environmental factor that like it it was really hard for us to know coming in so with all those things considered yeah it it could be a rough season for pitching and and maybe we just like take advantage of the bad teams as much as possible like wherever we can find them and if you play in a league where you could trade it's like if you have an abundance of hitting somewhere just like maybe go out and make another trade for uh, an ace and hope that they get back on track yeah, exactly. Although I think people are going to start hoarding their aces is probably going to be another issue there. And you talked about like hitting the bad teams, but even the bad teams get you like the A's have gotten people keep people this week. The Pirates crushed Lucas Giolito. And that's not even a stream. That's someone you're counting on to you know, start after start. Maybe you shouldn't. But, you know, there are a lot of bad teams out there, but even them are, are, are you know, every once in a while, I guess you have to just play your odds there as best you can. Yeah, I was going to ask you, right? Like, how, what do we do? Like, how do we combat it? Right. right. If, it's, if we can't even play the matchups, right. And trust someone like Giolito going up against the pirates. It just seems like it's been so unpredictable to this point. And hopefully as we get a month or two into the season, it's usually like Memorial day. I feel like, all right, we kind of have a pretty good idea of like, who's going to be good this year or who's like a clear bust or what the environment looks like. But up until then it's pretty unpredictable. It is uh, maybe in a, like early on, maybe you get some high leverage relievers uh, and go that route. But even that, I mean, the, everybody wants those guys. Uh, you know, both Seawald, you know, Seawald and, and Munoz both go in the teens, if not tenth or ninth or tenth round. In the case of Munoz, now Munoz is already hurt. Uh, but point is, I mean, even those guys aren't totally cheap. Fairbanks, you know, he, he got he skyrocketed in draft costs over the, this draft season. Now he looks like he's a full-time closer too. He has 100% of the Rays save chances, both of them. Yeah, and I understand why he was getting all that helium because he got the contract extension this offseason 
And it makes sense at that point, right? Like we don't yep. have to play an arbitration game. We don't have to worry about, you know, paying a, a reliever uh, because of how many saves they get. We locked him up. Boom. He's the closer. He's going to go out there and get it. And, and so far he's looked really good. He has uh, keeping it fresh as a good point. Imagine MLB being forthcoming on any tenant of the game. Never. Uh, Never. Um, that's why, uh, if you guys know who Dr. Meredith Wills is and you go to a ball game and you catch a foul ball, consider sending it to her. Uh, and she, she calls for these every year. She does tests on the ball. She honestly, that's the best way we know what the ball is like in any given season right now. Yeah. Because we know that MLB is not going like, I remember reading that article this off season about the quote unquote Goldilocks baseballs that were being used down the stretch and some people speculating they were in Yankees games for Aaron judge, whatever it might be. But mm -hmm. uh, the MLB would like clearly like, they did not want to give those balls up. Like they did not want them to go for testing. It's like, no. So what are they trying to hide? Right. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I guess it's what's well, proprietary. You know, I also think it's just really hard to calibrate. You know, they want it. They want to make it just right. But you know, one little change has this outsized uh, impact there. I, I, I'm, I gotta imagine it's just, it's very hard. It's like, it's like playing first base. It's very hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, speaking of first base, Bryce Harper playing first base. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty awesome. The first thing that popped into my head is the eligibility that he'll have for next season. So assuming mm -hmm. he gets through this year, completely healthy, we could be talking about uh, another potential first round first baseman for fantasy. And, and frankly, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, that would be nice. Not have him any position would be really nice for sure. Uh, expand that valuable. And if it gets him back sooner in the game, all the better. And it, certainly for the Phillies, all the better. They, they certainly need a little bit of good luck. Derek Hall is now out multiple months with that thumb injury. Brutal break for him too. No pun intended, but uh, yeah. finally gets an opportunity to play. Looks like he was going to be their first baseman. And I had a bold prediction on him coming into the season that uh, I, I said he's going to outproduce what Reese Hoskins did last year. I had a lot of confidence in in uh, Derek Hall because he crossed the ball last year when given an opportunity to play the barrel rate, the hard contact, everything was there. Great lineup, good ballpark to play in as well. I really thought he was going to take off. And it, uh, honestly, it's, it's just a, it's just a bad luck injury. It's brutal. It's really brutal there. All right. Uh, quick, uh, one other note here from our other sponsor, our good friends. Uh, and we, we do appreciate that. Uh, uh, their, their sponsorship, our good friends over at rival fantasy, a new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy. Uh, daily fantasy baseball, excuse me. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played. And they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head -head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code ROTOWIREMLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival Protected up to $50. Again, that's play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up. User code ROTOWIREMLB. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm here with CBS's Frank Stanfield. Again, Frank, uh, what time do you exactly do you guys start for your pot your nightly podcast? Oh, it's all over the place, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, usually it's it's after midnight on the East Coast. We try to go at you know 12 15, 12 30. 
there are nights where, you know, yesterday, for example, where there's a bunch of day games. And I think, you know, we started right at midnight or we'll try to go before midnight. But I would say, yeah, right anywhere from 12 to 1230 a.m. Eastern time is, is when we go live. And then the podcast is in your feed first thing in the morning. Lovely. Um, and for me, it's live usually. Uh, when if, if, if Like you said, though, I have a hard time listening to enough podcasts. I, I mean, there's so much great work down done in our, our space now, you know, and then you see like the podcast contest that we hear every year from baseball pods and all that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it discovered, Oh, there's seven other podcasts I really should be listening to, but I never have the bandwidth for that. It's tough, but, uh, I, the timing of yours is perfect. Um, it, it's like, it's, a, it makes it easy for me to catch her. So I do appreciate you for that. Hey, no doubt, man. I appreciate the the shout out, of course, coming from you. It, it it honestly means a lot. And yeah, I mean, for anyone, if you're up late on the East Coast or if you're, you know, you're just lounging around uh, on the West Coast and yeah, join us, hang out. All right. Very good. Uh, one little news item before we uh, jump in to talk about points leagues and head to head leagues. Uh, Reds activated Nick Senzel. Roy S. Second, I believe, or Seekin asks, uh, is he worth a pickup? He's starting actually today with an all right handed lineup for the Reds. Can I interest you in a little Nick Senzel? Mm, this, I mean, I don't even think in 15 teamers that I would be that interested. I mean, he's just someone who a has not been able to stay healthy for his entire career. And even when he's played, he hasn't been great. I, you know, we were hoping for power and speed back in the day when he was coming up as a prospect, but uh, I think the reds between like moving him around and playing him out of position, it's, it's kind of really messed with him over the years. And yep. so, I'm not really interested, not even in 15s. I mean, obviously NL only, but I assume he's already owned in a league like that. So uh, it's a no for me. I know you're the Reds fan, Jeff. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I, I'm not going to fall for that banana in the tailpipe. Just not <laughs> going to do it. Um, I, I, they did send down Benson. Um, so that does create a little bit of space. Maybe they play him in the outfield. They Like you said, they just won't put him in a position, leave him alone. They never did. And it's probably too late for that now. Uh I'm probably not that interested in him, unfortunately. I, I wish him well. I, it, you know, second overall pick in the draft. I can, you can see why they, you, you shouldn't give up on someone like that, uh, especially in a ballpark where it's so advantageous to hit. But man, it, it's it's a tough sell. Yeah, look at his career numbers: six sixty three OPS, two forty batting average. Last year, I mean, he had a chance to play 110 games, five home runs, eight steals. Feels yeah. like he's been around forever. He's only 27 years old, but now nah, they're just. It's not like a like a Byron Buxton thing where he's been really good when he plays. It's he hasn't been good and he's been injury prone. So it's an exactly. Exa- exactly. So you are the defending champ of Tout Wars, which is a head to head points league. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, you, you guys frequently reference points leagues. Uh, in fact, CBS, and I think the most common game is a points league. I'm an old school five by five or four by four roto guy. And my, my original uh, fantasy league is an ale only four by four roto league with the brewers grandfathered in. Um, so that, that's how I go back and I, you know, but that's not how most, a lot of people play, uh, especially people that are entering our hobby. Um, so what sort of tips can you give people, uh, as someone, so your, your experience playing points leagues, what are the big differences? Yeah, I think the biggest differences are plate discipline matters a lot, especially in the CBS scoring system where you lose points for strikeouts. I think even in ESPN points leagues, you lose points for strikeouts, uh, and volume. Volume matters a lot, even more so than, you know, we'll, we'll talk about players in Roto and category leagues that are really good on a per inning basis or on a, a per game basis for mm-hmm. hitters, something like that. Volume matters a lot. So avoiding players who are part of a platoon and just getting players that play every single day and maximizing starts and two-star pitchers. And 
look, you don't want to go overboard and, and throw guys like uh, look, Kyle Gibson was good in his first start, but I think in most weeks, you know, maybe you avoid someone like that, uh, but you really do want to play the volume game. So uh, at bats, played appearances, specifically in good lineups, it, it's, I almost think about it from like a DFS perspective where the more played appearances you get, the more opportunities you get at fantasy points. I mean, it sounds you know so rudimentary, but uh, that that's the honest truth when it comes to points league. So uh, guys in good lineups, the lineups turn over more. So batting in the top half of those good lineups and, and players that play every day, I think that really matters. And uh, maximizing two-star pitchers. Those are things that I would really pay attention to most. One of my favorite things is uh, getting Trout in like Rad Slam, which is a points league. Uh, you know, you know that's like the one points league I regularly play every year. Um, because and because outs are a negative point too, so on base percentage matters all that much more there. So just not making outs so huge in that one. And of course, if you have bonus negative, extra negative points for strikeouts, hitter strikeouts, of course that's massive. Yeah, and just knowing who those players are, right? For years, it was Carlos Santana was always a standout because more walks than strikeouts. Alex Bregman is someone who I think gets elevated. He probably should be a top 50 pick uh, yearly in head-to-head points leagues because in Roto, he's not really a standout. He has an okay batting average. He gives Mm -hmm. you counting stats. But in head-to-head points, more walks than strikeouts, hits a lot of doubles, plays in a really good lineup. So that lineup turns over. He's in the top half of that lineup. So again, it's just maximizing, uh, maximizing plate appearances. Someone like Marcus Semien, who routinely like leads baseball and plate appearances year in and year out. Those are the players that you really want to elevate. And, you know, guys that we maybe draft for, for steals, like those kind of middle infielders, that'll give you 20 steals and not much else. Or someone like Astori Ruiz, who you see getting boosted up in main event leagues inside of the top, you know, 200 or top 150 picks. It doesn't matter as much because at least on CBS, you get two points for a stolen base. It, it really doesn't boost you up that much in that format. Yeah. I, I love de-emphasizing stolen bases and saves uh, because, you know, yes, saves are super valuable when you get them, but that's not the only way to score points and you don't have to get them. Something to be said for that. And there's this kind of cheat code where uh, there are certain relief pitchers that have starting pitcher eligibility. We call them SPARPs. SP as relief pitcher. And yep. uh, those guys kind of add a little bit of a cheat code for you. Someone like Nick Martinez, who we know is a starter, but you could slot him into your relief pitcher role. And uh, frankly, like, you know, the outside of the top 10 or 12 closers, like the mid tier closers, they just don't score as many points. So you probably want to slot in a, a starting pitcher there. And it's kind of a little cheat because those guys give you more innings and, and as a result, more volume and uh, the chance that quality starts and wins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm in a couple of leagues where we're required to have relief pitcher slots and, you know, finding those guys are so huge and they're, they're, they're more copious than you realize. And in some, in some uh, platforms, especially they're a little bit more generous on uh, RP eligibility, starting pitchers that count as relief pitchers. I love those guys. Uh, they're, they're awesome. I uh, love getting those there. Even in a roto league, it, it can be handy that way. Um, I'm in one league that's uh, holds and saves, so I don't really care much about the saves as much. I'll just go with the guy that whichever whichever route we can go to. A um, couple of uh, you know, so a couple of other pointers on that. So looking at uh, your scoring system on CBS, that's what we use in Tower Wars because you're the defending champion. So uh, and I think uh, the champion before you, Ariel Cohen, also prefers that scoring system. We let the champ choose his uh, point scoring system for head to head points. Yes. I'm actually the back-to-back champion right now. Back-to-back, back-to-back. champion. Yes, yeah. so let's let's get that right. Let's get yeah. that on the record. Yes. Um, what specific to CBS do you like in terms of the scoring system? I think it's one of those things where that's what I grew up playing first. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you grew, probably grew up playing the 4x4 Roto, right? And that's something yeah. that you are 
most accustomed to. That's something that you are most comfortable with. And the first league that I played in was a head-to-head points league on CBS. And so uh, as a result, I'm just so comfortable with it. And maybe, you know, that's not the same for everybody. But yeah, when I started playing, I don't know, 15 years ago, back in high school, it was a points league. And I think for a lot of people that want to give fantasy baseball a chance, this makes the most sense. I mean, it's the most similar to fantasy football where you're just going up against another opponent right. and you earn fantasy points for what your players do in the games. And there's a trash talk element because you're going up against one other player and yeah. you know, you have a, a weekly record and there's a playoff system and all that kind of fun stuff. And I, I think that's a good way to get started in fantasy baseball. And then, you know, maybe once you start to not master it, but if you get good at that, then you could venture out. You kind of take your chance at Roto. I mean, you could start with Roto too. There's no problem with that, but Frankly, it's a it's a tougher game. Like I it have is. been, I have been much more successful at head to head points leagues. There's just there's no doubt about that, and I'm still learning. I mean, I think everyone's always learning, but I'm still learning how to get better at, in roto leagues. I mean, I've played the main event now three years in a row. I haven't placed. I haven't placed in the top three of my league, and and frankly, it's it's something that I keep coming back for because I want to learn and I want to conquer it and I want to get better at that as well. So uh, I would say it's a little bit more difficult. But you could start with points leagues and then maybe kind of branch out from there. I think that's a good point, too. And I, I, I it's also similar motivation. It took me a while to get my first place in the main also. And just, you know, you can do the 12-team online championship. Maybe uh, that's a good starting way. And there's all these satellite leagues. But, yeah, you want your chance at the best. You want your you want to prove yourself against them. Is your home league, is that is that a head-to-head points league as well? Yep. So my longest-standing home league, it's a head-to-head points, 12 teams, Keeper league, we keep four players year over year. We have two minor league spots, and uh, so yeah, I mean, we don't we don't go super deep into the player pool, but it's guys that I went to high school with, and my nice. dad is in the league, and so it's you know it's a lot of friends and family, and we've been around playing together for a long time. So that yeah, that's my longest standing lead a league, and it's head to head points. Very good, very good. Got a few more panic or no panic questions here. Uh, your gauge your level of concern. We alluded to him earlier, Chris Sale. Oh, Chris Sale. I would put this one a little bit higher. Let's go five and a half, five or six, somewhere around there. And Mm -hmm. the problem with Sale that's different than Manoa is at least we've seen Manoa do it the past couple of years. I think we kind of have a good idea of who Alec Manoa could be when when he's right. We have not seen Chris Sale the past couple of years, including last night. He's made 14 starts over the past three years combined. And I see a lot of people, a lot of takes on Twitter right now. And People responding to me, oh, he's going to be just fine. It's only three starts. How do we know that, though? How do we know Chris Sale is going to be fine? We haven't seen him be fine since 2018. Even the last time, the last partial, like near full season we saw from him, he was not fine. He had an ERA over four that year. I know underlying numbers were still very good. There was something off with him that year. He was missing his spots. He was getting hit hard then, too. So we haven't seen it. And my early take, I guess my overreaction is that Maybe we expected too much. We expected too much too soon from Chris Sale. And you look at what he's done so far. The fastball and the sinker are getting clobbered. Absolutely destroyed. The batting average against the slugging on those pitch pitches. He allowed a lot of hard contact on those exact pitches last night. He's still getting a lot of whiffs with the slider, which you like to see. Uh, he's getting a lot of strikeouts in general. The walks are an issue. The BABIP is sky high. The home runs are high. Uh, so I think that there is a clear buying opportunity here. If you think that he can come close to what he used to be, but frankly, we just don't, we just don't know. I, I'm we still, haven't I, seen that version in a long time. Yeah. I'm with you on that one there. Um, I, 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 I err on the side of 
if you could buy low, the keyword is buy low. Don't just don't buy at cost what people paid for him. But if you could, you know, buy him like he's a I don't know someone's valuing valuing him outside of the top forty starting pitchers right now, then sure buy that and hopefully he gets back on track. Yeah, um, no sale for me. I, I don't have him. In, I'm in twenty leagues. I don't have him once. Uh, I, 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 I. I needed to be around like pick 200 before I was wet, ready to jump on that. So I was nowhere close to getting him just health alone was enough to keep me away, let alone performance. And you just watched that game last night. Yeah. He had like six strikeouts, I think in four innings or, you know, he got his strikeouts, but guess what? He was laboring. Like if you can lay off the slider, it, it's just, you can do a lot of damage against him. And every inning was just a struggle. And I just, I hate watching pitchers like that. Fortunately, I think we're watching a lot of pitchers like that this yeah. year. Yeah, you know, as someone who was uh, trying to advocate for drafting Blake Snell this year. Oh, I me I too. I think I understand why people don't like drafting Blake Snell now because I was actually at the Mets and Padres game yesterday. Yeah. It was just such a bore. Walk after walk and full count after full count and falling behind and Look, I'm sure there's going to be a stretch where like a 15-star stretch where Blake Snell looks like a top 12 guy. But it's like, what are we going to have to go through first to get there? And I think, you know, maybe I really just kind of bought into the contract here. I'm like, I think he's going to shove. I think he's going to kind of figure it out and throw his slider more. And, and you know, he's going to try and get paid this offseason. And maybe that still happens. But through his first three starts, gosh, he has really looked like Blake Snell so far. It's the full experience. Absolutely. And... Yeah, is it going to be home Snell and road Snell again? Um, I don't know. I I, I wanted more. Uh, I, I wanted more Snell than I got, um, but the Snell is not all around me. So I've got. I don't know. I just don't. I, I don't want him now. So I'm fine. I'm very happy that I missed him now. At the time, I was not happy. So uh, there you go. Uh, a couple suggestions in the chat. Uh, is Jose Barrios droppable yet? I mean, team context matters. Maybe in a 15, you don't drop him, but. I also didn't draft him. This was I, I, I had enough of Barrios over the last couple of years. He was one of those kind of blind faith players this offseason where if he fell far enough, I was willing to take him just because it's like, he can't be this bad, right? Is he just done? Is his career over? I don't know. Maybe it is, man. Like in a 12-team league, I think you absolutely could drop Jose Barrios with all the pitchers that are kind of emerging right now. Dre Jamison, the Royals guys. If Taj Bradley gets an opportunity back in the Rays rotation, I mean, those are four pitchers right there that, yeah, I would have no problem dropping Jose Barrios for. Yeah. I usually don't panic on young hitters uh, and, and definitely not, you know, and prime hitters age-wise, but a couple of throw it at you here. Uh, Perry says Jake McCarthy. You know, he was a guy that's just an emerger last year. He doesn't have a long track record, but he won people leagues last year too. What's your take on Jake McCarthy? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Jake McCarthy, and I had him as a fade coming into the season because I didn't know how much the Diamondbacks owed him, right? So mm -hmm. if he got off to a, sl a slow start, do they absolutely need to keep Jake McCarthy in their lineup? What does right. he provide this team outside of speed? And look, I don't watch enough Diamondbacks to know, like, is he truly a great fielder? I've had some people tell me he's a really good fielder. The StatCast metrics last year said that he was not a good fielder. So if he's not a great fielder and he's only providing you speed, he's not getting on base and he doesn't have power, why do the Diamondbacks need to keep him in the lineup? And that was something that I was concerned with. I know he gives you speed, but look, everyone's giving you speed right now. Um, I think in five outfielder leagues, I hold for a little bit. I think it's kind of a similar situation to what I said about Volpe. If the D-backs give up on Jake McCarthy and they start sitting him and playing him every other day and maybe they send him down, 
I think that will be the point that you should give up on Jake McCarthy. Yeah, I'd agree because they have a lot of pivots. I mean, and, and you know, when you start with Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas in the outfield, they're covering a lot of ground. They can afford to put Gurriel in a corner. Uh, they can afford to put Kyle Lewis in a corner if they want to. Um, so they have options, and that, that is always a negative there for you. Uh, let's go one other hitter here. Gunnar Henderson. Jay brings this way up. Uh, I, I, you know, I have a lot of Gunnar Henderson. I'm very unhappy with that uh, it, the results so far. The fact that he's sitting against some lefties every once in a while. Eh, I, I, I believe in the pedigree, and I tend to think this is a blip, but at the same time, I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I think it's an early season concern. He's just someone that has, like, his prospect pedigree is not just like some of these other guys. I mean, we're talking about him with Corbin Carroll as like the top prospect in baseball. So I think we give him the benefit of the doubt. He is striking out a lot early on. He's also walking though. He has 10 walks already. That's a you know near 21% walk rate. He's hitting the ball really hard. He's also striking out 37 and a half percent of the time. So we got to get those strikeouts down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the ground balls actually have taken, you know, have trended in the direction that we wanted them to. So uh, I, I think as we get the strikeouts, down for Gunnar Henderson, he'll be all right. I'm, I'm not too worried yet. I, I think let's let's give him a month or so and, and see where he's at after that. Yeah, I'm seeing a note here that uh, there's a report that Arcia has a micro fractured wrist. Looking, yeah, I see that from Justin Toscano right now, heading yeah. to the IL. Um, does that mean we see Vaughn Grissom? Uh, I haven't seen that. He's seen seen the appropriate the corresponding call up yet, but definitely something to watch for there. Yeah, and. Um, I'm looking at Vaughn Grissom too. I just searched him on Twitter to see if there's any updates there. And shout out to you. Uh, look, Jeff, you were all over it with 30 minutes ago when we br brought up the situation. Really sharp move. I would say anyone out there, if you have one of these injuries, O'Neill Cruz, Corey Seager, Tim Anderson, just go out and preemptively add Vaughn Grissom for now. Uh, and, you know, hopefully he's the one that gets the call because he's the type of guy that has enough upside where, if, you know, if everything goes right, we could be talking about a, maybe a 2020 kind of bat this season. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, Fabo Palooza part two, if people cut him in uh, NFBC because you can't, it's hard to stash in the NFBC. Look to see, I haven't even looked at the, uh, the roster levels, uh, both in the main and the online championship, but definitely worth exploring before that Sunday fab run. And if you have, I, I'm in two leagues with Thursday night fab run. So I'll be looking at that too, uh, a little closely. So Vaughn Grissom, he's still 96% rostered in the main event. So Okay, so there you on. go. So much dashes that dream. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so at least I'm happy to get him once, at least, I guess. Um, and he, I haven't won yet, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if he's gotten the call yet. It could be it could be Shoemake. Could be, oh, hey, they we didn't want to lose Adrianza. Maybe they'll play Adrianza. I don't know. They'll do something like that. The Braves aren't dumb, so I, I can't let, really rip on them if they do go that route because – track record okay they they i can't argue against that so but at the same time they're they're carrying a, a very uh, slow sluggish marcelo ozuna as it is in their lineup you know they're, they're kind of becoming like the mets where that bottom part of that lineup's getting a little dicey yeah they've been throwing guys like sam hilliard out there recently mm -hmm. kevin pilar like the ghost of kevin pilar is playing games for the atlanta braves right now uh the top half of that lineup is, is still fantastic but you're right the bottom half they might need a little uh punch in the arm and maybe it comes with von Grissom. Yeah, maybe so. All right. Well, so we'll be on top of that. Uh, you'll have plenty to talk about tonight if that does happen, if that does come to fruition. Frank, awesome stuff. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, again, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank, and you can follow the podcast Fantasy Baseball Today. Uh, you can download and follow it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, or you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, we go live again every Sunday through Thursday around midnight Eastern time. It's 
It's very late, so I get if you can't watch it live. Watch it on demand, listen on demand. Really appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, thanks again. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Honored to talk to you again and, and really appreciate you having me on. Anytime. That is two-time consecutive winner, Tout Wars winner, Frank Stample joining us today. Big thanks to Vivid Seats. Thank, thank you uh, to uh, also to Rival Fantasy for their sponsorship. Thank you guys for listening and all the good comments in the chat. Really appreciate all the feedback there. Appreciate you guys. We got uh, Clay and Todd with Two Star Starters tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.